If you have a Bible with you, find the book of Matthew. We're going to start in chapter 4, Matthew chapter 4. We're going to be jumping around all over the place, though, in the Bible. Uh, great week today to take notes. You pull out something, pull out your phone, take some notes, write something down. Uh, I think it's somewhere around 98% of the people that take notes in church go to heaven, right? I think that's what it is, something like that. Okay, not a funny joke, but funny joke. There we go. Okay, uh, but Matthew chapter 4, today is the final week, week number 7 in our message series that we've just called it, When My World Falls Apart. Uh, and if you've been here the past few months, you, you, you're used to the introduction that I've used. I've said almost the same exact thing every single week. Uh, we're starting with a, every, every week with a question, when our world falls apart, and it will, how will we respond how we respond when we go through seasons of suffering, when we get news from doctors, when someone that we love so dearly passes away, how will we respond? And it's such an important question when we look at the scripture and when we look at our faith, because scripturally, suffering is an opportunity for us to experience God in ways like never before. We see this again and again, to know him deeper, to see him work, for us to become more like Jesus. The Bible lays all of this down, and we've talked about all this type of stuff. But suffering also has the potential to wreak havoc on your relationship with God and on your faith. And there are countless people who, when their world falls apart, their faith in God falls apart with it. And that is what we are trying to fight. That is what we are trying, that's why we're talking about this entire thing, uh, is, is we are trying to build a proper foundation and understanding of suffering in this world and suffering when it comes to the Bible. So when your world falls apart, and it will at different points in different ways, that you will experience God in supernatural ways, that you will grow, that you will know him more and know him deeper. And listen, Suffering is a really hard topic to talk about. There are all sorts of questions that we have. Why does this happen? And how do we like this is a difficult sermon series for me to preach. And, and as I look back, I, I'm fully willing to admit I probably said some things that aren't even true uh, in some of this, as I've been wrestling with some of this in my own life and in my own okay, in my own stuff. And so uh, here's what we know though: suffering was not God's intent. When he created the world, he created a world that was free of that. There was no sickness, there was no dying, there was no pain uh, in any of that. We know that to be true. And we also know scripturally that one day uh, God will make all things right. And that we will live without pain and suffering and death again. We are in a transitional period of history uh, in between God's perfect creation and him making it right, and we live in a world that is broken and fallen and filled with sin and sickness and all of that stuff. Okay, so that brings us to today, and this is the final message in our series, and the title of this message is simply this, Does Jesus Still Heal? Does Jesus Still Heal? And we're going to wrestle with this topic of physical healing. And so, all right, that's enough. Please stand with me all over this place. Let's pray together. Uh, and just invite God into this moment. So join me as we pray. God, we worship you again and again. We declare your goodness uh, in our lives and over our church family. And God, we just pray that, that you would move, that you would help, that you would 
show us things. And as we seek you and as we read your word, let this come alive in a new way. And so, God, we are after your truth. And so we just give this to you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Give somebody a high five and have a seat. Very nice. All right. Uh, I want to start by just saying this, as difficult as the topic is to talk about suffering when it comes to the Bible, it's, it's as difficult as that or more to talk about healing. And the obvious tension in this conversation about does Jesus still heal people today is what seems to be the disconnect from what we read in the Bible to what we experience. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's a tension in that. Am I the only one that feels that? When I read the Bible, I see all this incredible supernatural stuff happening over and over and over again, and yet we pray for things right now, and it just doesn't feel or seem the same at all. And we all know good people, good Christian people who have been prayed for yet passed away, and you know people, and maybe that, was, that is part of your story. Maybe someone in your life who you cried out for and said, God, will you heal my mom? Will you heal whatever? And something didn't work and it didn't happen and that person passed away. And now we're left with the tension of what do I do with that? And so I say all of that just to, just to ask you for a little bit of grace this morning as I am trying to stand up here and wrestle with this, uh, with this entire thing in this conversation. Are you with me? Okay, two of us. I need at least four of us before I can move on. Okay, thank you. And so let's start with the Bible. There, there are people who were healed in the Old Testament, but it was really when Jesus came onto the scene that we really began to see physical healing uh, kind of just become a standard uh, in something over and over. So Matthew 4, verses 23 and 24, just to get us started, it says, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. So when Jesus was on earth, and I'm not, I'm not telling you anything that you don't know at this point, when Jesus was on earth, he healed people. Over and over again, we read about this. We see him doing supernatural things when it comes to sickness and disease and physical healing. Everybody knows that. The question is not if Jesus healed people when he walked this earth. The question is, is that still happening today? Is it still happening right now? And if so, how do we pray for that to happen? And the question just becomes, why don't we see it? in the same way or at the same level. Uh, and so that's kind of where we're going. Now, uh, I want to show you something interesting about this topic of physical healing. Maybe you've never seen or heard this before. In the Bible, uh, healing from sickness and disease is often in the same verses that talk about forgiveness and grace. So let me show you this quickly. Let me show you a few. Psalm Psalm 103, praise the Lord my soul and forget not all his benefits. And it's actually going to go on and list five benefits. And let me show you the first two. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. This is the Bible. 
And the Bible says, don't forget the benefits that come with God. Don't leave any of them out. And the first two benefits that are given, God forgives all our sins and he heals all our diseases. Two clear parts, two clear pieces. Forgive sins, heal the diseases in the same verse, intertwined with each other. And we're going to see this again and again. Now, if I'm honest with myself about this verse and some of the others, uh, it's much easier for me to believe that God forgives my sins than he does heals all my diseases. Would you agree with me? That's easier for me to, to believe, okay? Uh, Isaiah 53, a famous passage of scripture prophetically talking about the Messiah that would one day come and die. This was written 700 years before Jesus was born. Uh, and so Isaiah 53, we're going to skip to verse number five. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. You got it. Our transgressions, our iniquities, two different ways of saying the same thing. Those are sin. He was pierced for, he was crushed for our sin. And then the author continues here, and by his wounds we are healed. Healing and forgiveness intertwined again, kind of in the same verse. Then to the New Testament, we actually have a couple different places where Isaiah 53 is quoted, what we just read is quoted in the New Testament in talking about Jesus. Uh, let me show you a couple of those. The first one's found in 1 Peter chapter 2. It just says, he himself, and that's obviously talking about Jesus, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Clearly referring to Isaiah 53. He bore our sins. That's the sin part. And by his wounds you've been healed. That's the healing part. Now, uh, and take notice of that phrase, bore our sins. Bore our sins. Talking about Jesus on the cross, like our sins was laid on top of him when he died, is kind of a way to say that. Matthew chapter 8 quotes the same scripture from Isaiah 53, but it's worded slightly different. And this is, I, I, we're kind of building this up together here, going through all of these. Matthew 8 16, when evening came, many who were demon possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Okay, Isaiah 53, he took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. So in case you're, in case you're reading Isaiah 53 and, you're, and the question for you is like, when it says by his wounds we are healed, he's talking about spiritual healing here. We have quoted in Matthew that exact verse and it just says sickness, our diseases. He took up our infirmities and he bore our diseases, bore our diseases. Our infirmities here clearly talking about our sin, okay? Uh, but looking at the, the second word here, he bore our diseases on the cross. So on the cross, scripturally, you, maybe you never thought of it this way, Jesus bore our sin. He also bore our diseases. He bore our sickness. That's interesting, isn't it? Like, and this is not the only time we see this. We don't have time to go through the entire list of this, but I'm just telling you, overlapping with each other. On the cross, 
There was something that, about the cross that actually impacted sickness and disease for us as well, is what we see again and again, okay? Now, let me explain it this way. Before there was sin, there was no sickness, all right? Sickness came into the world when Adam and Eve came, and they, were, uh, and, and, and they committed the sin and, and all of that stuff. Sin brought with it pain. Sin brought with it sickness. Sin brought with it destruction. All of that type of stuff. Before there was sin, there was none of that. So when Jesus defeats sin on the cross through his death and resurrection, scripturally, he defeats the after effects of sin as well, is an easy way for us to kind of connect this thing. Uh, Now, here's where things get really messy. Are you ready? This stuff is so crazy debated in the Christ, in Christian circles, and there are different denominations of Christianity that believe way different things on how to interpret all of this. So just understand that. And what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to present to you this morning a, uh, a few different views on all of this, and then just kind of tell you where I'm at. Does that sound okay? All right. And so and you can make your decision about where you're at with all this type of stuff. Uh, and so. There we go. Different denominations, different things uh, about how to interpret this. And so we have really two ends of this right here. Go ahead and put that slide on the screen. It's already there for me, okay? This is, what we're going to do is we're going to pretend this left side is number one out of ten, and that side's going to be number ten out of ten, and then we have all sorts of things in between. So these are kind of the two extremes of what people believe in this, okay? On your left, we have one extreme that is called cessationism, cessationism, which is the belief that the New Testament miraculous sign gifts ceased with the apostles passing and the New Testament's canon completion. Now, if you're saying, what does that mean? The people who did all of the miracles in the Bible, Jesus and his apostles, when they died, the miracles that we saw in their story ceased. Why did they cease? Because at that point, the New Testament was put into, uh, was put together. And this side here would say that once we have, now that we have the scripture, the very word of God, we no longer really need the supernatural things. And this goes way outside of healing. This goes into um, God speaking to people. This goes into uh, prophecy and the spiritual gifts that we read about. And they would say that stuff ceased Uh, It no longer happens today. And they use phrases like sign gifts because those were, those gifts were given as a sign. Basically, here's, here's kind of what's happening, why they would believe this. They would believe that the miraculous things from the life of Jesus and the disciples were happening to affirm these people for that exact season of transition in history, okay? God did something special when he sent Jesus and the crucifixion, the resurrection, the sending of the Holy Spirit. That was a transitional time in church history. And so God did something specific in that time, which included all of those miracles. That would be why they believe that it no longer, it ceased after that type of stuff. That was temporary in all of that. So things like speaking in tongues, divine healing, words of prophecy, God speaking to people, those are no longer happening to no longer happening today. Okay, that's called cessationism. It's mostly found in very fundamentalist denominations of Christianity, traditional Baptist, Presbyterian.
Presbyterian, many others like that, okay? I know this feels like you're in a college class here, and some of you are like, I hate college classes, okay? But we're all right. But just understand this, and I, and I just want to make, I want to be sure that I'm humble about this entire thing. There are some incredible theologians and pastors and Bible scholars who hold on to that belief. There are, and some of us in this place you grew up hearing that, and you grew up learning stuff like that, and maybe some of us in this place, you even believe some of that. And, and understand, cessationists would, would leave room for God to do whatever he wants, uh, even, a, even healing, but they just would not believe it would be as frequent or done through human healers really at all, okay? Uh, and they, all right, so now, now the other extreme, this is one side all the way over here, like you would say, God doesn't heal today at all, all right? The other extreme over here would say that all of these scriptures on physical healing and, and its connection to the atonement, which is uh, what Jesus did for our sins and those connected, uh, all, all of that stuff right there, um, how do I say this in the right way? Like that God always, it's always his will for every single one of us who are sick to be healed. 100% of the time, that is God's will. And it is up to us to have enough faith, believe, and figure out how to receive that. Kind of like how we receive grace through faith, we can receive physical healing in that same way because it's connected. And it is God's will 100% of the time for all people to be healed. And so if somebody is not healed, it really is because of a lack of faith, a lack of understanding, a lack of figuring out how to receive that. All right? And so that's the other side of that right there. Uh, if we can learn to have enough faith, God will heal 100% of the time because our healing was bought on the cross. Now, this side of it oftentimes gets a really bad rap. And the reason is because there are a lot of super whack TV preachers who are selling special water and handkerchiefs and different things like this and flying around in their private jets or whatever else. And they preach this in, 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 and it looks all shady because of that type of stuff. But here's the reality. The reality is there are many very, very educated Bible scholars who find themselves in this belief system. There are many pastors and many theologians who would, who would say this is the right way to interpret that. I have a book on my desk right now, a famous book from 1924, and the author makes this argument, and he does, it, he does a good job with it. All right? So just understand, and I know that some of us in our church strongly believe in this side. This is the way that maybe you have been taught, and this is maybe the way that you think, okay? So, number one, supernatural healings do not happen anymore. Number 10, we have supernatural healings are always God's will every single time. We just don't know how to figure that out sometimes, and it's on us. In fact, in the book that I read, it, there's a whole chapter that's, that has 22 different reasons why uh, we do not re receive physical healing, and every single one of them is our side, not God, all right? And so we have that right there. Number one and number 10, never happens anymore, always happens. We just can't figure it out. Are you, are you with me so far? Okay, and in between those two, in between those two spots, we begin to have conversations about God's will, all right? God's will. And we say things like, it's, uh, 
I believe that God heals, and we have all different levels of this, and we should pray for that, but God is sovereign, and he will do whatever he chooses to do. That's kind of the middle, okay? And, and there's lots of levels of the middle, by the way, that we don't have time to. And if you ask me where I'm at, go ahead. Where are you? Oh, thanks for asking. I'm glad you asked. We were going to skip a whole section if you didn't ask me there. We were going to just go right to the end and pray, all right? Uh, but if you ask me where I'm at, um, and I've moved around over the years, by the way, in different ways. Uh, if, like, if a left side is a 1 and the right side is a 10, I'd put myself probably at a strong 7 or 8. All right? And so I'm quite a bit away from God doesn't heal today. I'm quite a bit away from that. I firmly believe that God does supernatural things. I firmly believe that he heals people. I, I'm, I'm all, I like, in massive ways, I am... But, but I'm not all the way to God always heals. We just need to learn how to receive it. And listen, uh, I don't consider myself like a professional at all when it comes to praying for physical healing. That's a weird, I, I believe that, that, that that's not something that is just someone on a stage or whatever else, by the way. But, but here's where I'm at. Though I believe in the will of God, and scripturally, it's evident that the will of God will be done. I also believe so clearly that the Bible commands us to pray for the sick. And so if you have this tension of God's will is always going to be done, then why would we pray for people? But the Bible tells us to pray for people. So there's something more going on here. So I believe the Bible commands us to pray for healing, to ask God to restore and make things and make right the broken pieces in us. And I think that includes things in our physical body. So yes and amen to the will of God being done. I never want to say anything contrary to that. God's will and he is sovereign and he is in charge and he is in control. But we pray and we plead for God to do miracles. We plead for that for him to do something miraculous in our loved ones or even in our own physical body. And we believe with all that we are that Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, when we pray, are going to heal them. We believe that God is going to do that. But then for me, like I have just decided that I am going to hold it all with an open hand and just say, God, do, do what you will do in this. And so that's where I'm at. And sometimes, to be honest, I need to ask God for more faith when it comes to praying for people because, because it's easy for me to slip into this kind of doubting mindset when I pray for people. That I don't see this and I don't know what's going on and why is this working and all of this. And so I begin to pray and say, God, fill me with faith for the impossible. But when we pray for your loved ones, when you pray for your loved ones or for God to heal your own body, we pray and we ask the Holy Spirit to heal them in that moment. And we fully expect him to do that, but we're going to hold the entire thing with our hands open saying, God, do what you would do. And listen, if God brings supernatural, instantaneous healing and doctors are freaked out, and we see this sometimes, by the way, and there's no denying what happened, then we praise God for that. And we say, God, thank you so much. And we are quick to give him the glory. And if God brings healing in, in your body or in somebody that you love uh, through what feels more like natural means, through doctors and through medicine and all of that, then we praise God for that. 
and we say, God, thank you for that. It was Jesus, it was God who made all that stuff anyway, okay? And if God has chosen in his divine, divine sovereignty that the days in which you live and the times of your habitation here and now are coming to a close and God is calling you or your loved ones home, then we praise God for that. And we, we praise God that our, that our loved ones are no longer suffering and, and that they are with Jesus. And so we hold it all with an open hand saying, God, do what you're going to do. Now, I'm gonna, we're going to kind of wrap this up in a nice little bow, but I'm going to have the worship team come right now. I'm going to boldly pray. I'm going to boldly expect. I'm going to plead to God on behalf of the people in my life that need to be healed. And, and I'm going to be frustrated when I don't see it, by the way. And I'm going to ask God questions and say, why didn't, what happened here? And all of that, but I have made up my mind that I am going to trust God no matter what happens. Dan- Daniel chapter 3, King Nebuchadnezzar is threatening the lives of these three Israeli men. And they're in captivity in Babylon, and he's threatening their lives, and they respond in the way that I want to live my life. This is Daniel 3.16. It says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, We want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. The God I serve is able to do do anything. The God I serve is able to deliver me from this, is what they said. But even if he doesn't, but even if for some reason, for whatever the reason, God chooses or God doesn't work and God doesn't do that, he will still have my allegiance. He will still have my worship. He will still have my gratitude. He will still have my heart. My God is able. But even if he doesn't, if you're here today and you would just simply say, I have, I have something physical in my body that is not right, or maybe you want to even stand in the gap for a loved one that's not here, a friend or a family member. I just want you to do this. If that's you, just be brave and just put a hand up. We just want to pray and believe. We believe in a God that is more than able. We believe in a God that, that can do impossible things. We believe in a God that... that As faith rises in his people, he seems to move and show himself in different ways. If someone near you just has a hand up, will you just put a hand on their shoulder? We're just going to pray together. We don't know the situations here. We don't know what it is that people are facing, what they have going on in their body or in someone they love, but we just want to pray together. And so let's pray. God, I pray that faith would rise up in this room. And that we would believe in a God that is more than able. That we would believe in a God that can do the impossible. 
And God, we come to you today. We cry out to you on behalf of our loved ones. We cry out to you on behalf of our church family members who are here in this room right now. For the people watching behind a screen, God, who maybe physically can't even walk through these doors. We pray, God, in the name of Jesus, that you would heal somebody that you would do supernatural, miraculous things, that you would shock doctors. God, that you would do the things that only you can do. God, we pray for some of our church family who has cancer in their body, and the doctors are, are giving diagnosis, and we have all sorts of stuff, God. I pray that supernaturally, God, you would heal somebody today. God, we give this to you. We lay it at your feet and we pray, God, on behalf of our friends and our family members. God, we pray for people who are in pain, whatever that is and whatever that feels like, God, we pray that in this moment there would be a relief, that God, you would take that and it would disappear in the name of Jesus. We believe in a God that still heals and we plead on behalf of those in, in this place. God, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that you died, Jesus, for our sins and to set us free from the curse of, of sin and death and sickness and all of that. And God, we fully understand that someday all of our bodies will be made completely whole. But God, in this moment, we pray that you would do supernatural things. We pray that you would work. We pray that you would do that. And God, we hold all of this with our hands open, just saying, God, do what you will do. We trust you. We live you. We, we love you. We need you. And God, we live our lives in allegiance to you, in worship of you. We give you praise and thanksgiving. We pray for supernatural things, but God, we look to you to move and do in us what you do. And God, for someone in this place who maybe has never even responded to the message of Jesus, God, in this moment, they feel you pulling at them. They know that they're not right. They know that there's sin and that they need a savior. God, I just pray that that person would begin to pray to you. In fact, if that's you in this place, you can just begin to say, God, I need you. Forgive me of my sins. Thank you for sending Jesus. I, I, I need you in my life, oh God. And you can begin to pray for that right now. And so, Lord, we pray for those people. God, we are forever grateful for you and what you have done. We love you. We need you. And it's in the beautiful, life-changing, powerful name of Jesus we pray. And everybody said amen, amen.